Engage and Equip podcast, a resource designed to help make substantive disciples with a passion for the local church. I'm Erin Hesse, staff member at High Point Church, and I'm here once again with Nick Gibson, our senior pastor. Here he is. Hey, everybody. Um, so we're doing the second half of a two-part series on spiritual discipline, and um, we differentiated that between um, from spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. which we got from the book that you're writing, Nick, um, called Substance, which you're hoping to, um, will, which will be produced by summer of 2017 or fall 2017. Um, and the book Substance, you want to explain a little bit what the book is about for those who didn't catch the first podcast? Sure. Yeah, the book is about the fact that <clears throat> um, the world has become more worldly. Mm-hmm. Um, the focus of modern secular technology is to comfort us, you know, make our lives easier. And that actually makes us fragile and weaker and softer. And it's kind of making us increasingly insubstantial. Um, And that's really not the intention for us. Mm -hmm. And so we have to really seek what God, how Jesus wants to make us people of substance, people who aren't brittle. We're more like, instead of shattering, we're more like rubber. Like you can bend us Mm -hmm. and we bend, we flip right back. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a kind of strength that faith is meant to to create. Mm -hmm. And it it actually creates that strength through virtue. Mm -hmm. And so, and yet a lot of people believe virtue should be pursued really through legalism or moralism Mm -hmm. and not through the power of the spirit in light of the gospel. And so Blueprint a couple of years ago was a lot about the gospel in relationship to legalism. This is more about the gospel in relationship to overcoming worldliness and leading us towards virtuous discipleship. Okay, so um, what we honed in on on the last podcast was um, this this idea of having a um, spiritual discipline, not spiritual disciplines like reading your Bible, praying, right. going to church on Sunday, um, the discipline that's necessary, the training that's necessary to um, become that substantive Christian right. that you're talking about. So we covered... Right. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, so last time we, we said, you know, there are these practices of grace or, or mm-hmm. you know habits of grace which are those practices like reading your bible going to church yeah. praying all that kind of stuff and yet if we're not people of substance if we're not disciplined then we won't do those mm-hmm. right yes. we'll say oh i have these practices that i never do mm-hmm. and so there's like a deeper question of human of discipline in christ that precedes practices yes and that whole realm of discipline is kind of forgotten, and we're very confused about it in mm-hmm. the modern secular world. Yes. And we need to fix that if we're going to get anywhere. Yes. So you, you've broken that down into four martial disciplines, that you've uh-huh. called them, um, yeah. in order to, to obtain that spiritual discipline. And we covered the first two last time, uh, vigilance and brutality. So if you um, go back and listen to that first, <laughs> if, right. you, if you're listening now. Listening now. Um, so today, we're going to talk about the final two, training and cooperation. Right. Um, so let's start with um, training. Nick, what, um, what are the things that you say are required for proper training? Why is that even one of the four that you picked that's necessary? Yeah. A mentality for training is, is a martial discipline in this sense. Um, the military is always getting ready for something they don't know about, mm-hmm. right? They, they don't know what the next conflict's going to look like. Mm-hmm. They train for every possible future situation. And most humans think in terms of what has already happened. Mm-hmm. And so they try to learn from what's already happened because it might that thing that's already happened might happen again. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible way to think about your life. Mm-hmm. Because if you're growing as a person and if your life is progressing, 
you're going to constantly come into situations that are different, new, right? And you don't want to like learn all about all of them afterwards, right? right? And so what, what, what in Christian, uh, with a tra- with a Christians with a training mentality, which is, which is part of the gospel, which I'll talk about in a second, mm-hmm. um, what we're saying is we don't know what the future is going to hold. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, Jesus is preparing us in character for heaven. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that's going to look like. Um, but we're going to want to be as much like Jesus as possible. But we also don't know what the, what the rest of our life is going to hold. Mm-hmm. And the hardest things in our life may very well be in our futures. It's very likely, in fact, they'll mm-hmm. be in our futures because none of us have gone through dying yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so training basically says, in Christ through grace, I'm going to prepare for everything and anything. Mm-hmm. Not like creating all these like contingency scenarios, mm-hmm. but I'm going to seek in Christ to become the kind of person that is literally at home in any possible situation. Mm. I want to become so deep, so virtuous, so not brittle, so substantive, that no matter what happens, I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. The, you, it's not okay to say, I'm up spiritual, I'm of spiritual substance to handle my life today. Mm. That, might be, that might be enough to say, thank, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, right. that you have helped me get to where mm-hmm. I can be today. But that shouldn't be our ambition. Mm-hmm. Our spiritual ambition should be, that we would be strong enough to carry some weight for others mm-hmm. and that we'd be ready for anything we ever face. Mm-hmm. So you talk, I mean, and that initially does start with having the right mentality right. of your training. If you have that mentality, you will train. Mm-hmm. And, and you broke it up into three different, um, I suppose, types of mentalities or realizations that you need to have. Right. Um, so the first one um, is that it requires a single, um, a, you require a single option mentality. Right. Um, the second is that God is our trainer. We need to make that realization stands strong on that. Great. And then thirdly, um, we must receive all hardship as discipline. Right. Talk about each of those a little bit. Right. So I, I, I take these all from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. And it's a fairly well-known passage, but it's usually split up into different parts, mm-hmm. and it's not meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I preached a good bit on this in India, mm-hmm. where they really need to hear about this, but they're no different from us. Sure. Right. So the first is single option mentality, and that is... Um, you have to believe you have only one option. If you believe you have two options, you will do the easier one. Okay? So, let me... You, you've heard this story before, but when Lexi and I first got married, for about five weeks, it was marvelous. And then <laughs> I started... Longer than I started, Jason and I made it. So yeah. <laughs> good. And then I started studying, like, 14 hours a day, doing Greek and Hebrew yeah. and seminary and all that kind of stuff. And she was working second shift, and it was really a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. No friends in a new city going to graduate school, right? Mm-hmm. And we just got to the point where we just hated each other's guts. I mean, it was bad. It was like that for months. Mm. And we had just gotten married. And it was just like buyer's remorse times, whatever, you know? Yeah. And um, it was so bad that I was in a systematic theology class daydreaming about her dying. Oh, no. Because if she had died, I thought to myself, if she dies, I'll remarry somebody who's sweet. Right? And not just pretty and capable. Because my wife mm-hmm. is tough as nails, mm-hmm. so she's super capable. I thought that she'll be a great partner, mm-hmm. but she's tough as nails on me. <laughs> right? right? That's not sweet. So she's a lot sweeter now than she was eighteen <laughs> years ago. But, but I, I, if I could have divorced her, I would have. Mm-hmm. And if she could have divorced me, she would have. Mm-hmm. But I believed I had a very deep conviction that she was a daughter of Jesus, the the Christ, mm-hmm. the King of all things. And I had no business treating her that way. It wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. And that and that being a bad husband who hated his wife was also not an option. Mm-hmm. I had one option, 
And that was to learn to love this crazy woman, Mm -hmm. right? And she only had one option, which was to make the best of life with me. Mm -hmm. And because we had one option, both of us only had one option, we worked it out. And things got a lot better for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then we've been been up and down a few times, right? But because we only had one option, because Jesus had taken away every other option we possibly could have, we had one option, we took it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? And most people, and by most people I mean all of them, in order to do things that are spiritually great, in order to be what they're meant to be, they can't have more than one option. Mm-hmm. They'll always take the lazy option. Mm-hmm. They'll always take the sinful, worldly, comfortable option. It's only when you have no other option. And so so the, in Hebrews it says, let's throw off everything, every sin that entangles us. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and everything that hinders us. Mm-hmm. So that we can run after Jesus with perseverance. Like you know, you know this from running that you don't carry stuff when you run. Mm-hmm. Nobody goes running and carries stuff. Right. And they go, oh, but but I might. But like if you've ever packed a backpack to go somewhere, you felt the kind of like, well, should I take this? Mm-hmm. Should I take <laughs> that? You go through this whole process of like contingencies and what you might want and how the situation might change. Well, I might want my bathing suit or I might want this sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Right. Runners don't do that. They might have a bottle of water, they might have some earbuds, and they run, mm-hmm. right? And what the apostle is saying is, there's sin that entangles you that you have to kill. That goes back to spiritual brutality. Mm-hmm. But training basically says, get rid of everything else. Mm-hmm. You're doing one thing. You're running after Jesus. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all you're doing. There's no other thing you're doing. And so therefore, you've got that one option. And it's not until you get rid of all the other options that you're really training. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. It's yeah. not until you like you pick up the first weight and you're pumping it. It's not until you get on the treadmill and you turn it on mm-hmm. and you're not getting off of it that you have one thing you're doing. And that's when you're training. And as long as you have other options, as long as you're hemming and hawing, as long as you're you're not training mm-hmm. and you're yeah. not preparing for that future contingency you can't know about. Mm-hmm. So you need to have that mindset, first and foremost. Single option mentality. Mm-hmm. Incredibly important. So secondly, um, we have to have the realization that God is our trainer. Right. Um, so yeah, talk about that a little bit. Right. So then the next verse is, Therefore let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Mm-hmm. And then the, the rest of the chapter is actually about the people receiving this letter suffering. And they say... This is the way you learn. You watch him. You look at him. You look at what he did. You look at that kind of stuff. And then you receive the power of the spirit. And otherwise, you'll fall into legalism. Mm -hmm. And legalism doesn't work. It doesn't train you. Right? People think legalism is training. It's not training. Legalism is a way to prevent training Mm -hmm. and to prevent sin. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't train you. So you can have like a rule, well, I'm not going to do this. And that rule might help you, but it, it doesn't train you. Yeah. So, like, for example, if you say, I'm not going to eat ice cream after 8 o'clock because it just it be, makes me chubbier, right? Mm-hmm. By pre-deciding and using that rule, okay, and let's say, let's say um, for you, like, Jason goes to bed at 7.30, so he locks the freezer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, that helps you mm-hmm. in that you're not going to eat ice cream, right? He mm-hmm. locked the freezer, but it doesn't help you not eat ice cream, mm-hmm. which is the transformational part of it. So there's a certain extent to which you have to look to Jesus and seek to be like him and grow in the mind of Christ and walking with the Spirit and living in self-sacrificial love and embodying virtue in the freedom of the gospel. You have to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's training. Mm -hmm. 
and there's no substitute for it. But you have to do it by looking at Jesus and looking what he does. And so otherwise, you train all kinds of, kinds of stuff. Sure. Yeah. But to grow in substance, you have to focus on what is what does Jesus want to train you about? Mm. And a lot of what he wants to train you about is to build endurance. I mean, that's the emphasis of this passage. Mm. Yeah. To be able to overcome opposition and to build endurance. Mm. That's what we train for. Yeah. Very necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so the third realization and that we must... Um, that we have to take on is that we have to receive all hardship as discipline. And so uh-huh. out of the three, um, you claim that this is probably probably the hardest of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, so explain this a little bit. And, and it's partly ways. based on a misunderstanding. Okay. And if we can clear up the misunderstanding, it makes it a lot easier, mm-hmm. right? So the, the, the passage in verses 5 to 7 in Hebrews 12 says, you have forgotten the word of encouragement, right? So whatever he's about to say next is this supposed to be encouraging. Mm-hmm. The word of encouragement that addresses you as sons my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Now, the reason why this is difficult, he's quoting a proverb, right? And that the proverb says, right, um, it says, the Lord disciplines those he loves, mm-hmm. and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And so the punitiveness of... So punishment is like, you did something wrong, you deserve a punishment. Right. Now, if you read punishment back up into discipline, right? Mm-hmm. What you're saying what you're saying is, is that what we're receiving is actually punishment, right? And yet he says, endure all hardship as discipline. Mm-hmm. So if you read it that way, what, what that means is... All the hardship you face in your life is God punishing you. Right. If you're and, yeah. Right. And you have to endure that. Mm-hmm. Right? That's not what the verse means. It's not very encouraging, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it comes from, so it's coming from a section in the early part of Proverbs where Solomon is talking about how wisdom forms us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's, he says, or he says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Right? Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. He punishes everyone he accepts as his son. What that means is this. And and I'm not making this up. Just go back to that section of Proverbs and read it if, if anybody who's mm-hmm. listening doubts this. It, it's very evident when you read the passage. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is he's saying that God is going to do whatever he needs to do to make you the kind of person you need to be. Mm-hmm. And discipline in that sense is training. Yeah. Now, training can include punishment. Mm-hmm. But when the author of Hebrews writes this, he does not repeat the word punishment. Right. He repeats the word discipline. Mm-hmm. And in Proverbs, the use of the word discipline includes all these things. Mm-hmm. It includes rebuke. It includes punishment. And it also includes teaching. It includes everything, all the training necessary to get you from person A to person B. Mm-hmm. From the person you are to the person you need to become. And so what he's saying is saying, endure all hardship as training. Mm-hmm. Everything that you suffer is practice. Hmm. It is, it is, God is going to use it and can use it to get you from person A to person B. And when you realize you're not supposed to look at it as punishment, it's not like you did something wrong and this is happening to you. You did everything wrong and everything could happen to you as punishment, but Mm -hmm. that's not how God is functioning, Mm -hmm. right? God holds back his wrath and sometimes he releases it, but that's not how we're supposed to look at our suffering. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say, endure your suffering, assume that you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. He says, this, whenever any kind of hardship comes, 
whether you deserve that hardship or not, re- receive it as discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one quote that you have um, in this chapter is, um, if you develop a training mentality, you'll learn to embrace hardship as training rather than be discouraged by them and continually asking God, why is this happening to me? Um, and then later on you say, you'll find almost every situation in your life that is an opportunity for temptation to be an opportunity for training. And so right. that... Um, I mean, and I found this in my own life that when I actually, uh, it, it's not brushing off hardship, like, um, oh, it's, it's fine, like, right. count everything as a blessing, like, God has a purpose behind this. I mean, sometimes it can get very flowery when we start to talk like this, mm-hmm. um, but that's not what you're saying here. You're saying that if we if we see it as training versus punishment, right? it's almost motivating for us then to to get on the treadmill in, in that circumstance and, and say, okay, God, what are you, right. why are you training me? Rather than, the focus isn't like, what, why is this happening to me? But God, what are you doing? And why am I a part of this in this situation right now? Right. Right, exactly. And I mean, anybody who's played sports, well, I don't know about this anymore, but back when sports used to be taken more seriously, what you could put kids through. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember running in basketball or in soccer until I was sure I was going to throw up. Yeah. I mean, I just, it was so hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I mean, I remember running sprints in the water up to my waist until my legs cramped up so bad I almost drowned. Yeah. Ugh. But that's what it took to compete on the level I mm-hmm. competed at. Mm-hmm. And I did compete at that level. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I endured that hardship. I didn't, I wasn't angry. No. Like when I would run for miles and I'd run these sprints and I'd be, you know, rolling on the ground like, in pain, mm-hmm. cramped up, hurting, sore the next day. I was never mad. Right. I was never like, oh, why do I have to do this? Right. I was like, I have a goal. Mm-hmm. This is how you get there. Mm-hmm. This pain is getting me somewhere. Mm-hmm. It didn't mean that you enjoyed it or right. that you were like looking for that pain and right. being excited about it, but you understood it in the right light. Right. And what so what the author Hebrews is saying is, there isn't any kind of hardship that can't be looked at that way. Mm-hmm. Hardship that comes from punishment, hardship that comes from providence, hardship that comes from other people's sins, hardship that comes from physical failure, hardship that comes from all kinds. There's, there's literally no kind of hardship that cannot be seen as training mm-hmm. if what you are trying to become is a certain kind of person. Mm-hmm. A person who is, in the, in the context of Proverbs, maximally spiritually wise. Mm-hmm. In the scope of the whole Bible, someone who has the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, walks in step with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. If that's the kind of person you really want to be, pain is actually incredibly useful. Mm-hmm. But only when it is accompanied by the right attitude. Mm-hmm. What most people do is they suffer and they waste their suffering. And they don't get the benefit of the training. And they get to suffer. Yeah. And whether or not suffering produces something in you has to do with it. You don't have another option. You have one option. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is your trainer. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. You realize you don't have any other option than to endure hardship as training. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is your trainer. And you look to the one who endured everything. Right? Because remember, what does it say? Be able to endure any pain mm-hmm. and be able to stick with it. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things. To make yeah. the marathon, right? To to follow the one running in front of us. That's that's what we're supposed to learn, mm-hmm. endurance. Mm-hmm. If you realize the spiritual goal is substantiveness that is of a deep enough level that you can endure all things, no matter how bad it is, no matter how long it is, mm-hmm. well, then what's a better training than pain? Mm-hmm. 
Nothing. And if you have to lose your life to save it, what's better than you losing everything? As training is horrible for our lives and for our comfort and for our hopes and our dreams and our worldly lives. But if the goal really is losing your life so that you might save it, seeing Jesus for who he is, there's nothing better than pain for that mm-hmm. when it is accompanied by the right attitude when you realize you've only got one option. That's good. Okay, great. So we've covered um, between the last podcast and this one as well um, the um, that vigilance, brutality, and training are necessary um, mm-hmm. to really develop the right kind of spiritual discipline. Um, finally, you talk about cooperation. Right. Um, why? What is that? What do you mean by that? And why is that necessary? to develop spiritual discipline. Other other people are incredibly integral to success in the other three areas. So for example, um, hunters talk about sneaking up on a deer, mm. right? So there there's this Native American game that was played, especially in the eastern, northern eastern tribe, like in New York, mm-hmm. called Touch the Deer. Oh, okay. And so they would they would have little kids like seven years old, and it, it was their job to go out for the day. And they couldn't come home until they touched a deer, right? Mm-hmm. And so their dads or other men in the tribe would teach them. And they, so they had to sneak up on a deer and touch it. So they had to get the wind right. But that's totally possible mm-hmm. because deer are solitary creatures for the most part. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll travel around one or two. They just don't have enough eyes to pick you up and you can sneak up on them. doesn't work with turkeys. <laughs> just doesn't work with turkeys. They travel in flocks of like 30. Yeah. And they're just always looking around. Yeah. You cannot sneak up on a flock of turkeys. It I mean, hunters will be like, yeah, just don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. Everybody's tried it. Everybody's heard other people say it can't be done. Every hunter has heard <laughs> other people say it can't be done. And they're like, I'll do it. I can do it. Yeah. Nope. No, you can't. In fact, um, you can hardly even get, like for turkey hunters, they have stands so their gun is already up when turkeys show up because you can't even lift up your gun. Mm-hmm. They'll catch you, and they'll bust you, and they just take off mm-hmm. in a hundred directions. It's because there's 30 of them. Mm-hmm. So you're up against 60 eyes instead of two. Mm-hmm. You can beat two eyes. You can't be 60. Mm-hmm. So in vigilance, if everybody's agreed on what you're looking for, yeah. sin can't beat you. If you have 20 friends in your life who know your four biggest vulnerabilities, and you've shared with that, in your, and you've invited them, to just come after you when they see it, lovingly and kindly, but like, hey, look, when you see this, you need to come after me. Mm-hmm. That sin just can't take hold if you listen to them. Yeah. If you let them watch and you're being vigilant, they'll be like, hey, I saw that. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, oh. <laughs> More people being vigilant over you and then you participating in being vigilant over them increases the capacity of that vigilance incredibly, yeah. right? Yeah. Brutality is something you have to coax each other into. Right? Mm. Like when kids are horrible to each other in school, mm. well, it's because the other kids are kind of creating this yeah. culture of the wrong kind of brutality. Mm-hmm. But brutality against indwelling sin, being the execution of indwelling sin, is something other people pushing each other on is really important. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and the same thing is true for training. Like, would you rather go, generally speaking, would you rather go running seven miles by yourself? Or would you rather go running seven miles with somebody who's just a little better runner than you? If you want to make it. If you want to make it, yeah. If you want to get better, definitely. If you want to make it and get better, you want to run with somebody Mm -hmm. and you want to run with somebody who's just a little better Mm -hmm. than you. Why, like, there was a, there's a, a, uh, a school nearby where I lived called Beaver River. Little tiny school. It was like in a town of like 600 people, you know, and they had won the state cross country championship in the state of New York for like seven years running. Mm -hmm. 
they're they're all little healthy farm boys or something, whatever. Maybe there's genetics for good hips in the town, or they all intermarried. I don't know. <laughs> but but here's what happened. Every freshman in that school ran with the seniors. Mm-hmm. And every junior had run with those seniors for three years. And every sophomore had run with those seniors for two years. Mm-hmm. And every freshman was going to run with the, with the progeny of those seniors mm-hmm. for the next three years. Right. And so they all were making each other better. When they ran against... Um, so there was a time where my brother ran the two mile against their whole cross country team. There's five of them. Mm-hmm. You can only enter three people <laughs> to score points, yeah. but they had all five run so they could run together. Huh. They ran together for seven of the eight laps yeah. and they all pushed each other. Huh. And then at the end, they all kind of ended the best mm-hmm. they could. Mm-hmm. People, people push each other in training so much more when you have a shared training mentality, mm-hmm. you push each other a ton more and you make so much more progress. Yeah. And actually, um, I was thinking, I mean, as you're talking about how that's ne- cooperation is necessary in each of those three other areas, it really does have to be the, it has to be actually the, I think, like the last thing that really comes into play, though, because if if you have, if you're cooperating on a team with people who don't have vigilance or mm-hmm. um, the same idea of what brutality should look like and desire for training, then really the opposite can happen if mm-hmm. I know that in running specifically I run with other people who um as soon as one of us says well let's just have a let's have a what is it a slower a slower day or whatever mm-hmm. like not like let's not go as far today then everyone else is okay with that too and so mm-hmm. for, for everyone to have that same mentality going in that we right. all um you need to know it can't just be anybody that you're deciding to go into right. um d- develop these spiritual this, this discipline right. with it has to be very intentional that you all do have that same mentality mm-hmm. first. Yeah, and you can like add people in if you've mm-hmm. got a group going that direction. Sure, but um, but um, the the highest likelihood that you're going to have a slow day is if you run by yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, the best likelihood you're not going to have a slow day is if you have a group of people that if you say, "Hey, can we run a little slower today?" They'll be like, "Well, you can lag behind whenever you want to," mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, fatty. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Um, so like my wife, who's tough as nails, always works out with somebody Mm -hmm. like her Mm -hmm. because in fact, like if I work out with Alexi, I work a lot harder than if I'm working out by myself. Mm -hmm. Right. There's just this kind of shared and and people do not understand how much we feed off of each other. Mm -hmm. There's this one in one of the last books that Henry Cloud wrote. He's writing about um, seal checkout training for Navy SEALs and like they have to swim two miles in the ocean usually in the Pacific, I think, mm-hmm. in 90 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Like, it turns out water's a liquid, and it's harder to move through <laughs> than air. You know, like, the, the Pacific is always cold. Mm-hmm. It's usually in the 50s or 60s, mm-hmm. temperature-wise, and there's and the, the Pacific is never calm. Right. Yeah. And so they're swimming through waves in cold water for two miles, mm-hmm. and they have to do it 90 minutes to check out, right? Mm-hmm. And he talks about this one guy that was swimming it. I mean, they're in this training for, like, years, Right, SEAL school isn't years, but you know you're preparing for mm-hmm. it for years, and you get to this place, and it's a 75 percent dropout rate. Mm-hmm. And um, there's this guy, and he's swimming, and he gets to this point where he just like he hits the wall, wall, like, and he's like he's so he can see the end, he's so close, yeah. and he's got time. He's he just physically can't go, and he feels himself starting to sink, right? Yeah. And there's this point where like you have to wave out because you'll drown, right? Yeah. And he's like, I know I have more. Right. And so he he goes to pull out the more and there's no more. And he uses 100 percent of his willpower to pull out the more to just get swimming again. Mm -hmm. And he can't. 
right? And there's nobody more in control of their willpower than a Navy SEAL, all right? Like these, these people know how to get yeah. more willpower out of themselves. And while he's starting to sink, he sees one of his friends jumping up and down and going like this towards him, shaking his fist at me. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do it. You can make it, right? And like his body turned back on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like there's something just like he sees this other guy who he cares about and he knows cares about him mm-hmm. saying, you can do it. And all of a sudden he can. Mm-hmm. And he, the guy finishes and becomes a seal, right? Yeah. And you're kind of like, what? <laughs> like that is not really possible. But like there was another thing I read about, um, they, they did um, a study on, on choirs in churches singing together. And um, what, the, what the, the researcher said is, like, you won't believe this, but, like, when people sing in the church choir, and this is true probably about the choirs, too, but when people sing the same piece of music together and they sing, they're singing, their hearts start beating mm. together. Literally. Like, beating at the same time at the same rate. Mm. It's the weirdest thing. No, nobody knows that when they're singing in the choir. Mm-hmm. But, like, their bodies physiologically are that connected to what's going on with other people. Yeah. And we should never underestimate how much other people affect us, whether in a worldly sense, negatively, or in a legalistic sense, moralistically, mm-hmm. but also in a good sense, in terms of training, yeah. co- cooperation, getting together with other people and saying, here's where we're going, and everybody pushing each other. People go so much further, so much faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you neglect cooperation, mm-hmm. you're, as, you're almost as likely to fail as if you neglect the others. Mm. Yeah. Jesus made us for community. He wants us to go together. But our communities can't be like pansy little, like, oh, this is community. This is, isn't this so nice? Mm-hmm. Um, you're training for a marathon. Mm-hmm. You're training for endurance. You're here to become the kind of person that can take any level of intensity for any length of duration, and you can not just survive but thrive. Mm-hmm. That's what you're here to do. Mm-hmm. And if you realize that in terms of your training mentality, if you know the ferocity necessary to get there. If you utilize each other for vigilance and in cooperation, you do all those things, mm-hmm. you'll go so much further, so much faster. Mm-hmm. So, good. so much more safely, spiritually. Yeah. Great. Before we uh, wrap up this segment and um, talk about um, really then what, what these can look like practically now, mm-hmm. um, we're actually going to take a quick break and hear a little bit about a marriage conference coming up in February. everyone, it's Jill Reese from High Point Church. I'm the communications coordinator, and I'm here right now to tell you about the High Point Church Marriage Conference. It's coming up on Friday, February 10th, and Saturday, February 11th. So Friday night, it'll be 7 to 9 p.m., and then Saturday, it'll be 8.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. It's right around Valentine's Day, and so you and your spouse can spend that time, that weekend together, focusing on each other and strengthening your marriage. There's going to be child care. So if you have young kids, we'll watch your kids while you are focusing on your marriage and growing together. Pastor Nick is going to lead a plenary session on what marriage is intended for, how God created marriage and what that means for us and how it's for our good and how it represents the gospel. And Pastor Lloyd is going to teach about... Uh, the seasons of marriage that we go through and help us identify what season we might be in and what we need to work on. So that's going to be the plenary sessions. And then we're going to have breakout sessions on a number of topics from supporting your husband without losing yourself. So women, that's for you on Friday night and and also Friday night. 
there's going to be a men's breakout on following Christ and loving your wife. Then on Saturday, we have a bunch of breakouts that you can choose from. There's going to be two sessions of breakouts, and there's communicating with your spouse. There's to- there's a topic of sex, conflict, thriving in the midst of external difficult or traumatic situations, starting a family, um, and also empty nesting. So for every season that you're in or you might go through, there's we are trying to cover a breakout for you in that. The cost is $40 per couple, and you can get more info and register at highpointchurch.org slash marriage conference. And hey, we'd also love to hear your story of your marriage. And I know that you've probably gone through a lot of ups and downs, but we'd love to hear one thing that you've learned in your marriage so far. And so if you have a story, you can find out how to share that and send it to us at highpointchurch.org slash marriage conference. And we look forward to seeing you there in February. Thanks. Welcome back. As we are talking about uh, spiritual discipline and what it means for us as Christians um, to develop a spiritual discipline in order to become more substantive Christians, um, the last two podcasts, this one and um, the one that we previously recorded, we talked about the um, necessary elements of developing spiritual discipline. And they are um, vigilance, brutality, Training. training, and cooperation. So, you know, Nick, I think about these four principles, really, and I, and I could apply those to just about any, any part of my life. If I, if I do these four things right. to become a better athlete, to become a better reader, um, musician. Mm-hmm. Um, right, they're, are, they're, they're invented great. by Jesus, yes. but they can be used by anyone in any area. Yes. And they work. Exactly. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could walk away with this and be like, okay, I can become a more, um, just a, a better person um, or apply it to these other um, completely unrelated to, right. to spirituality right. things. What is what does this really have to do with the gospel and with Jesus? And how should we apply it, be we be applying it to that in particular? Yeah, there's a, I mean a lot of answers. To that. Let me just narrow it down to three quickly. Mm-hmm. What is um, is motivation? Is don't underestimate the necessity of conviction to go along with discipline. Discipline mm-hmm. drives best out of convictions. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes we want to, you know, lose weight or become better athletes or become better whatevers. And uh, our conviction isn't very strong. Mm-hmm. And having a conviction that we belong to the king of all things, we've been purchased back by his death and resurrection. It, you get the right motivations in place for this. Mm-hmm. The, the, the gospel will drive the motivations necessary to mm-hmm. engage in just spiritual discipline, mm-hmm. which will lead you to the practices you'll use which will lead you to the character that you're after. But don't underestimate how you need a fountainhead of motivation. Mm -hmm. There's also the means, like how you're doing it. And the gospel says we're doing this by grace. Mm -hmm. says that there is is a giving not just of knowledge, but a giving of divine power. Mm -hmm. That, you know, as I said before, 1 Peter, 2 Peter 1, 3 says, For his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Mm-hmm. And then it says a couple of verses, therefore make every effort. Mm-hmm. So so while we're making every effort in training, vigilance, mm-hmm. brutality, cooperation, we're believing that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Mm-hmm. And that through that, it, it actually says that we share in the divine nature, mm-hmm. which would be heresy if it wasn't in the Bible probably, mm-hmm. um, that, that we actually experience the power and presence of God to, to empower us, and that that is a supernatural reality that, that cannot be had in a way outside the gospel. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then also our object. Um, only the gospel would lead us for the gospel results to be our object, right? Mm -hmm. um, it is a, a Christian who is engaging in spiritual discipline, is engaging in spiritual discipline so that they can be like Jesus, mm -hmm. which is the highest calling and pursuit of any human being ever. Mm -hmm. And so we can use these mechanisms to pursue lesser things. And we actually should use them to pursue lesser things. But we should mainly be pursuing the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. So, I mean, we're all about wanting to make um, practical application next steps for <laughs> people who are listening. Um, what is it that you could really tell people as, as takeaways from all of this? Um, can be overwhelming a little mm -hmm. bit at first <laughs> to hear. Um, but, but yeah, what is it really that we need to... Yeah. So, on? yeah, so let me just... A couple of things on this. Mm -hmm. One is focus really strongly on doing this by grace or, or through the generosity or the help of God so that it doesn't become legalism. It says in Colossians that um, austerity and, and like being hard on yourself mm -hmm. um, in the wrong kind of way doesn't do anything to restrain sensual indulgence. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work. And so what that'll lead to is you thinking Christianity doesn't work and it'll lead you pitch, to pitching your faith and giving yourself over to worldliness is what it'll result in. You have to see this as through Christ and by faith as a result of his generosity and through his power. Mm -hmm. So in, in um, Philippians uh, 3 verse 12, it says, um, not that I've already obtained this, that is perfection in Christ, mm -hmm. or have already been made perfect, he says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me, mm. right? So I'm, he's like, I'm doing everything I can to take hold of the thing for which Jesus took hold of me. Mm -hmm. So I'm reaching out for, let's say, um, um, the virtue of Christ. I'm reaching out to grab that for that to really be part of me, realizing that Jesus has a hand on me. Well, I'm reaching for that result in my character through Christ. Jesus already has his hand on, on my arm, mm. pulling me towards it. Mm -hmm. and, and, he, and he took hold of me for that. Mm. And so by approaching it through faith, through thankfulness, through joy, that that's a means that's very important. And mm. if you don't do that, you'll fall into legalism. Mm -hmm. And after you fall into legalism, you'll hate religion and God and everything related to it. Mm -hmm. And then you'll fall into worldliness. Mm -hmm. um, the second is, if you engage in the spiritual discipline by grace you engage in spiritual discipline i'm pursuing these things through these four things mm -hmm. you can then decide what you're going to do as the means of grace or the habits because mm -hmm. there's lots of different i mean if you go to different churches that believe the gospel and believe in jesus you can find people that are comparably as godly who do very different things mm -hmm as spiritual habits. Mm -hmm. So in some places in evangelicalism, everybody's like a quiet time person. They go to church on Sunday. They listen to expositional preaching. They have a quiet time every day. That means they read their Bible and they pray and maybe they journal their feelings, right? <laughs> and that's what they do. And they grow in godliness. Mm -hmm. And then there's other places where people go to, they go to mass every day or something like that. Or they, um, or they have just have a different regimen. Like charismatic Christians have like, they, they might pray more, or pray differently, mm -hmm. And yet you go to those churches and you, you find among them some very godly people because there isn't a single perfectly structured curriculum. 
you really can use different things. And to a certain extent, you can use different things that work for you within reason because mm-hmm. you're going to be cooperating with others. Right. And so it can be perfectly just for you. Mm-hmm. But if you start with, okay, what is going to help me be vigilant? What is going to help me be mm-hmm. engaged in spiritual ferocity and brutality? What is going to help me have a training mentality and to train? And what is going to help me cooperate with others? Mm-hmm. Right? You'll come up with things mm-hmm. and then you can create a regimen for yourself. Yeah. However, the third thing is this. There are some things that the Bible uses as functional universals, as practices that you should be doing. And if you're not, you're not really in the discipline game. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you don't come to worship in a church, mm-hmm. you're not in the cooperation game. You're not in the vigilance game. You're certainly not in the brutality game. And you're not in the training game. Mm-hmm. You're just not in the game. Um, there are certain things that, that the Bible lays down as, if you're doing this, you will do this. Mm-hmm. And it's mainly that you are under the spiritual shepherding of the elders. You engage in corporate worship and, he, and hearing teaching, right? And you are in close proximity with other Christians in order to love them deeply. Mm-hmm. Those four things. Mm-hmm. And those coalesce in the local church. And they don't coalesce anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so no Christian interested in spiritual discipline, spiritual formation, spiritual development or right spiritual practice can neglect being consistently at the local church. Mm-hmm. And so there's certain there's a few things that the New Testament says you'll be doing this. Right. You'll pray. So they said to, you'll be interested in, in scriptural teaching because remember most of the church people didn't have Bibles to read. Mm-hmm. That's a luxury we have. Right. But everybody was interested in the Word of God, mm-hmm. hearing as much as they could, learning it, remembering it, hiding it in their heart. Why didn't the Bible tell us about hiding your heart? Because they didn't have pages. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the book. Yeah. You had to put it inside of you, mm-hmm. right? Having Bibles is a great blessing, and it's also a great crutch. Mm-hmm. It's like Google. People don't <laughs> remember anything now because you can Google it. Right. But when life happens, you have to have it inside of you, present, ready, so that it can come up. Mm-hmm. You can't go get it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So so I don't want people to go, go from this and say, well, Nick said, if I'm spiritual disciplined, I can do whatever I want. Right. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> What I'm saying is, if you're spiritually disciplined, there is a certain amount of freedom in your regimen. That's true. But there are some things that Jesus says everybody should do at least some of this, like mm-hmm. fasting and praying. Right. And everybody should always do this, which is being in a local church under the authority of the elders, worshiping together and being under the teaching of scriptures, right? And being mm-hmm. in close proximity with other professing Christians in a context of Christian families so you can deeply love one another within mm-hmm. that context. Yeah. Which is what we call that at High Point. We call that church membership, mm-hmm. right? So we call it. Yeah. Um, everybody will do that. So there's not ulti- ultimate flexibility because there has to be cooperation mm-hmm. and there are some norms that God gives. But beyond that, whether or not you like Lectio Divina, whether or not you like to have a, you read the Bible for two hours on Thursdays or 10 minutes a day throughout every day of the week, sure. those kinds of things are not prescribed in the Bible. But the, and so if you if you pursue something with spiritual discipline, you're going to find yourself moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, these four spiritual disciplines within the concept of spiritual discipline mm-hmm. precedes practices and habits. Yes. If you get this straight, then sit down and say, okay, on the basis of these four areas of disciplines under spiritual discipline, what should be my practices? And honestly, for most people, it'll change throughout your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like right now, my wife's, you know, we've got four kids at home huge age spread, whatever. And so family devotions mm. are more integral than personal devotions. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Right now we're memorizing the catechism together. Mm. 
We're doing family devotions. We're reading the passage. We're doing hand gestures to memorize these different doctrinal truths that are summarized in the catechism, right? Mm -hmm. And reading the Bible passages to go along with them as a family. Mm -hmm. She didn't do that when we were sing when she was single, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? But that's a spiritual discipline she does, a spiritual mm -hmm. habit or practice based on spiritual discipline she does now, because mm -hmm. she has the additional responsibility of leading children. So right. do I, right? So they'll change throughout your life, mm -hmm. um, but. If they're moving out of these four things, right. you'll be able to figure out what practices you should be doing. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, good. I know for myself, there's a lot that I can walk away with and think about um, for my own life of how, like you said, like how, how I can apply these things and what that looks like here and now um, in, in terms of those four to develop a spiritual discipline. So mm -hmm. um, for those who have been listening, I hope that um, it's been um, just as edifying for you. And um, if... Um, and the sermon series that we have coming up in February, mm -hmm. it's, what is it called? This and all through January, we're going to do this spirituality series. And then in February, okay. we're going to go through Second Peter. And so okay. that section I've been referring to mm -hmm. a lot, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, verses 3 to 7 mm -hmm. in First Peter chapter 1. That's going to be our year memory verse. Mm -hmm. That's it's, it's really a paragraph. Mm -hmm. And we will be talking about it in the spirituality series throughout Second Peter. It's a major theme of the substance book we'll do in the fall. Okay. And so we're trying to create... A lot of thematic unity yeah. in the year about godliness and gospel-centered godliness as opposed to worldliness. Yes. It's going to be a big theme this next year. I awesome. think it's going to be extremely freeing and life-giving yeah. for people. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Um, and so you can go to highpointchurch.org um, slash sermons um, to, to look those up when they get uploaded. Um, or um, you can search in the search tab for the particular topics as well. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening in. And... We will talk with you again soon.